Hello and welcome back to my podcast, uh, Gina's Excellent Encounters, where I uh, meet people and talk to them about some uh, topic they are uh, knowledgeable about or like or something like that. And today with me is Gutz. Welcome, Gutz. Hello. So could you just introduce yourself a little bit? Of course, yes. Um, my name is Gertz, and I was born in Germany. And then um, when I was studying at some point, as many people are, I went abroad, lived one year in Stockholm in Sweden. Then afterwards, I got back to Germany to graduate and kind of get started in my working life. But soon after that, I thought it is interesting to see more than just Germany. And I decided to move over to London. Um, and since then, I'm living in London for the past six and a half years and very much enjoy living in that great and interesting city. Okay, great. Welcome. So I have you here today because uh, we would like to talk about the Brexit. And you're obviously living in London and therefore you know a little bit more about it than we out completely outsiders. So you have the outsider and insider perspective of it. So therefore, I'd like to ask you some questions and just talk about the topic a little bit. So uh, let's see, how do we start? Uh, how long have you been living in London? Well, I moved over late in 2010. So now it's seven years about roughly, roughly six and a half, seven six, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because back then there was no no signs, I guess, of people wanting to leave the EU? No, I mean, I would say that until last June, nobody actually expected that to happen. Okay, but the UKIP movement or party, what what is it? It's a party. It's a party, yeah. 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 So, but it's... Isn't isn't uh, the UK party system also like the US one with only basically two parties? Um, to a large extent, yes. There's basically the first past the post electional system, which of course favors the bigger parties more than the smaller parties. So bigger parties usually get a larger share. The idea is to create um, to create a two party chamber where there's always a strong majority of one party. Okay. Um, now, recently, that hasn't always worked that well. Okay. Um, but that is, I believe, the idea behind uh, the system they do have. Okay, I see. So, how many parties are there, uh, roughly? That's a good question. Um, for for the most part of the UK, there are um, the Tories, the Conservatives, then there are Labour, which are the Social Democrats, um, then there is the Liberal Democrat Party, which are the liberal kind of element. There is a Green Party even that is very small in the UK, um, but it does exist. Okay. Um, and then you also have um, regional parties that can only be elected in different parts of the United Kingdom. For example, the Scottish Nationalists that are only electable in Scotland and um, mostly focus, of course, on Scottish issues. But they also get elected to Westminster, which is the the United Kingdom Parliament. So I they see. can kind of influence national politics um, with their Scottish issues. And the same applies to Wales, where they have a local party, and Northern Ireland, where they only have local parties, I believe, mostly. So um, there are two kind of big uh, parties in Northern Ireland that mm. sort of resemble uh, the, the, other, the party system in the other bits. But okay. mostly they are kind of different from the rest in some way because of the history of that. 
okay. part of the UK. But but you're not a UK citizen, uh, the, therefore you, you can't uh, vote. vote, yeah. No, um, I'm a German citizen, so um, I am allowed to vote for the mayor of London and for local elections, as is standard in the European Union, yeah. but I'm not allowed for um, national votes, which is like for Westminster or for the referendum last year. Oh, I see, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of good i guess <laughs> i don't know i mean it's good for for them to be able to vote for their own stuff and not come uh, people coming from the eu and vote the right thing <laughs> well i do understand why that is but i might have a different opinion on if the, whether that is a good thing or not <laughs> i guess you 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 would be able to to become a uk citizen and then vote for everything so that there is a way for you to to be able to vote like if if you decide to live in in, in the uk uh, i mean before this whole brexit thing i mean so like for me here in sweden i i just uh, applied to a swedish citizenship so my third one yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, mostly because i want to vote here uh because i don't have any uh, much more to gain from it so so i i also understand why why it's like it is so there's still a way <laughs> uh okay yeah <laughs> um yes um as a as a european citizen living in the uk for more than five years i can um i can easily become or get this permanent residency card that then would be the first step to become a citizen as well usually that's one year after so um okay. it would be a roughly one one and a half year process or something for me to become a uk citizen i could still do that now so okay. the vote last year didn't change anything in that so far because at the moment the all regulation that was in place from the european union is still in place so i could become a citizen before anything happens okay. that should be fine when would this be before when is there a well nobody actually knows okay um, but in theory the The Article 50 um, that starts the exit process officially was triggered in March 2017. So we would expect that in March 2019, mm -hmm. um, there will be a deadline when the UK has to leave. Now, it could be negotiated that there might be kind of a longer period or whatever. There might be delays. But at the moment, what you what is kind of the standard situation that was defined when the process was kind of written into the contracts is two years after that okay. and then it's done i see so do you have plans on becoming a uk citizen or well i always say when people ask me that that before the referendum i actually was thinking about filling in that 85 page form to get the permanent residency and then one year after to become a citizen just because it seemed like a good idea i like to live there i enjoyed my six years there and thought, oh, I might want to stay longer. So why not? So you mm. feel kind of committed to the place to some extent. And of course, you want to influence what's happening in the country. So being able to vote is a good idea. So that was one of the reasons why I thought, oh, yes, I want to become a citizen too. Now, in June last year, I changed my mind because suddenly I thought, maybe I don't really want to be part of this nation or um this people anymore so to say so it was kind of a there 
There is no reason why I shouldn't do that. And many mm. people say it would be a good idea to do it anyway, just because now it's even more uncertainty. So doing yeah. that step would make perfect sense yeah. to keep all options open. Yeah. But I, I myself don't really feel anymore like I really want to do that step. I see. Okay. I guess it's, uh, you said 85 pages <laughs> apply uh, uh, thingy. Uh, yes, the form is quite long. So one of the main things why it is so long is that you have to account for every single day you spend abroad over a five-year period. And you have to kind of hand in a lot of proofs that you actually lived in the UK over this five mm. years. Yeah, so so here in Sweden, it was fairly easy, actually. For me, I just filled in uh, on the website. The form was basically one, one page. Uh, I had to, to fill in a little bit more because I was married. But otherwise, it was mostly, yeah, where did you work? And where do you come from, basically? <laughs> that sounds so, quite straightforward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. It it was. So yesterday I sent uh, the the form and my passport, my original passport, which felt really weird to to the Migrationsverket, which is the what is what is it called? I don't even know in English. Migration office or... Yeah, exactly, yeah. So uh, now I'm without a passport. <laughs> so, so you have to stay in Sweden for the time being. Actually, not not in Sweden, but in Schengen, basically. Is it called Schengen in English also? Well, it is, yeah. Okay, I see. Uh, so I can I can go to Italy, I can go to Spain, Portugal, and so That's on. good enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in September I'm... Uh, uh, going to Japan for two weeks for vacation. So until then, I'm hoping I will get it back. Good luck with that. Yeah, I, I should have uh, because because I that's my third uh, one. I should have gotten uh, the, the my Polish passport already. Then I would not have this problem being without a passport now because the the whole thing is supposed to to be like for a couple of months but apparently you can call them and tell them oh i really need my passport back and then will they will send it back to you <laughs> so i hope I, everything goes well because uh, it's already set up the whole <laughs> journey and then without passport japan won't allow me to <laughs> to go there <laughs> oh yeah still two three months so it might all work out for yeah, anyway. yeah exactly yeah so great uh let's see uh <laughs> you see i'm not a professional so i don't have those nice uh hmm what is it called? Going from one... Th uh, one Bridging to topics yeah, exactly. and conversational <laughs> exactly. areas and whatever. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's I hope the listeners still enjoy it. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, what... what <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> never. No, would never, yeah. But let's go back to 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 the main topic, uh, Brexit. <laughs> so, uh, I do you have plans to then to leave the UK when when it's time, or 
I guess there's nobody really knows how it will end up for people like you, basically. No, I mean, the situation is that many people I know are, of course, thinking about that. Like, many European citizens living in London or living in the UK in general um, make up their minds and think, will we be able to stay? Will we not be able to stay? What will change for us? Overall, I think living there over five years, I would be able to stay in the country if I wanted to. Um, I don't expect them to kick me out. But yeah. that might be different for people who would come there now. Yeah. So it depends a lot on how long you have been there. Maybe they might define an arbitrary deadline and say, if you came after that day, maybe the referendum day or whatever, there are just different dates in discussion sometimes, then you won't be able to stay. Mm. So I don't think there would be any immediate consequences for myself because I've been living there long enough to kind of gain that status anyway even if i would not be a european citizen i would be able to kind of apply for citizenship i believe i see okay. but of course there is this uncertainty and the the atmosphere in the society is somewhat changed and people like me like immigrants or expats whatever you want to call people who are from a different country and move somewhere to work and live mm. they feel not as welcome anymore as they used to Mm. Um, and that, of course, affects your own commitment to a country. And based on the fact that there are apparently 50%, a bit more than 50% of the people who voted, which is not 50% of the population, but yeah. at least of the the people who went to the referendum, they don't really want me there. Mm. Um, and that's why I I am always considering other options. So I'm not in a hurry to go away because I know... I don't really need to leave quickly mm. but over the next two years yes i will consider moving somewhere else um, i haven't yet made up my mind where but okay. of course you do think of different places you might enjoy living and one place that always pops up in my mind is stockholm as i've been living there before i liked it so i do think maybe in two years i could give it another try okay you said do you, you get the fee feeling that people uh it, it it changed how people uh did it change how people talk to you or is it mostly just because of the referendum 50% of the voters because you said it it feels different is it more like your personal feeling or is it more like on a bigger scale i think it's more on a bigger somewhat abstract scale for myself so all the people i know bar one maybe all the english people i know i should say yeah. um are very nice and they they think this is a very bad idea and they think that this should never have happened the way it has yeah so most of the people i know are very kind of fine with having me there and they're not negative or anything but mm. it's more the overall feeling you have and then considering that people have been beaten up just for speaking polish that of course makes you think so that could happen to me if i speak the wrong language at the wrong place mm. and that is something that as far as i'm aware did not happen before June last year. So that is how you can see that some um, some ideas of other countries and other people living in the UK have changed. Mm. I guess London is a special case also. So because as far as I remember, most Londoners voted for staying in the UK. Yes, most people from in London are anyway not from the UK, perhaps. So there are, mm. like, a lot of 
immigrants from all over the world, from yeah. former Commonwealth countries, from Europe, uh, from anywhere else in the world. And I guess that affects how people vote, because as most people who live in London have many friends and um, other people they know that are immigrants themselves, mm -hmm. um, they have a different kind of view on um, what immigrants are and how to deal with people from other nations. Now, if you don't know anyone who is from a European country and you just re read in the newspapers every day that, oh, they are stealing our jobs, <laughs> of course, you probably develop a different mindset on what you think about immigration from Europe. Yeah. But if eight of your 20 friends are Europeans that work in cafes, restaurants, and in offices around you, yeah. then you have a different perspective on what these people are and if they contribute something to the society or not, which mostly they are. Mm. Yes, yesterday we've been talking about uh, Erasmus uh, what is it called? Pro now uh, project or what is it? Uh, well, yes, the European Erasmus Exchange Program. Program, yeah, okay. Uh, have you been one of those uh, students? Yes, I've been one of those heavily drinking students. Stop <laughs> like yeah. It's all about cultural exchange, of course, and yeah. So how, could you because I I don't really have an idea about this program. Could you explain a little bit uh, what it's about and how it works and so on? Um, yes, of course. I, I think it's a very good idea. So I don't exactly know for how long it has been in place, but mm. at the moment, um, I would say that most students in Europe at some point decide to study for half a year or a year in another country. And the process is very easy. Um, so almost every university, I would say, in Europe has some um, partner universities um, within okay. the Erasmus program that they can send students to and they receive students from their partner universities as well. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about the Erasmus program is that you also get a little bit of support. So it is not that much that you get, but you get some kind of basic uh, monthly income that helps you to cope in a new country and a new environment. I see. Okay. So money wise. Yes. Yeah. And of course, also in other ways, because you have a partner university there, they have some coordinators that help you to uh, find a place to live or they assign you to a student accommodation and um, they might organize tutors that um, give you some introduction to the new place and to the new university and all that. In the end, it's I think the main purpose of the Erasmus program is to bring people together from different places and to broaden your own horizon, to mm. see the world from a different perspective by going somewhere else and being the foreigner somewhere else. Yeah. Of course, then you probably see foreigners in your own country with different eyes because you have been in their shoes in some way or form. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's true. Absolutely. I've been a foreigner most of my life. <laughs> so I, I see things quite different. Uh, not, it depends on uh, who I compare me myself to. But yeah, I think we have at work at least two people who, who were exchange students in this program. And they seem to be also quite, still quite connected in, uh, uh, through whole Europe. So it's a, Basically, everywhere they go, they have someone they know and so on. But interestingly enough, when I was a student, no, nobody told me about this program, so I didn't even know about it. Oh, that's very surprising. Mm. I would expect that people know about this, but oh. 
Um, yeah, maybe it depends a lot on your faculty as well, how much they, they are involved in the program. I think it is mostly coordinated, not on a university level, but on a departmental level. So some departments might be more active and some departments less. Okay, I see. So computer science in Gothenburg apparently didn't really care for, <laughs> for it that much. <laughs> But where did you study in Germany? Um, I studied in Karlsruhe in the okay. southwest. Okay. Um, and they, I, I had the luck that my program is basically split across two different departments. So I could choose which department I want to go with and apply for even at both departments for um, some study abroad. Mm. I think I ended up being on the... Uh, on the informatics like computer science department um, and went with their Erasmus program but I've, I could well have chosen the um, economics business department um, and go with their program I don't even remember which one it actually was because mm. it doesn't make a big difference yeah. if both have kind of signed the same partner university agreement then they could kind of send people there easily How come you decided to go to Stockholm? That's a good question I don't really know why Um <laughs> I was, when I set the form and looked at the locations that I can have there, um, you have a first, a second, and maybe a third choice. And my first choice back then was already London, because I thought, it's an interesting place to go, mm. that's nice. But of course, um, there were not too many places in London, and probably my grades were not all that good enough to get accepted, because that, that selection is kind of based on performance um, okay. or whatever criteria they have but that is one of the big factors as well when you want to get to the places where many people want to go but there are only a few spaces mm. now for stockholm there were many more spaces for people to go i see and i looked at the list of places and countries and cities and universities and for some reason i thought oh yes sweden sounds like an interesting place to go um why not put that down as your second choice. Yeah. Because it seemed like a place I would enjoy to be. And I didn't know anything about Sweden. I've never <laughs> been to Sweden before. Yeah. The only thing I knew that, oh, yes, I could go there to study if I want to. Okay. So it was more a spontaneous thing to, okay, yeah, Sweden, Stockholm, why not? <laughs> and that's where I ended up. And it's, I nice. mean, it's great. I would never yeah. have chosen in the first place to go there if I would have had the free choice of taking only yeah. my favorite spot. Yeah, yeah. But because I wasn't able to go to London. I went to Stockholm and that was a great experience for myself, I think. And I'm very happy that it happened that way. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, in London, do you know people who are like the opposed, from the opposed sides? So, or is it mostly people who agree with you? <laughs> most people I know agree with me. That is not because I only talk to people who agree with me, mm -hmm. but most people in London are genuinely for kind of coordination and cooperation and they mm. see the benefit of having a lot of european workers in the country because wherever you go you go you buy a coffee mm. most likely the person serving you is not a british or english citizen yep. they are from poland or from italy from spain or from not so much germany but yep. yeah, yeah they are from somewhere else yeah. um, and that applies to restaurants if you go to the hospital most likely the doctors and nurses are not from the uk Mm. Um, so there are so many people that you see in everyday life in London that are from abroad that it seems uh, 
it seems nonsensical for you to vote against that because you would see that if you would drive all those people out, mm. the city would be half empty and nobody <laughs> would serve you. Mm. And that's not a place most people want to live in. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. So, the, of course, you see it differently mm. when you have all those people around you everywhere. Yeah. I'm still interested a bit about the the arguments from the other side. I guess you know some of those arguments because you've been living there and heard mo more than, than we here outside. I guess, unfortunately, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I only have one closer friend who voted against or who I know of voted against. Mm -hmm. um, and he thought Brexit is a good idea. He still thinks that. Yep. Um, in general, I would say that people who voted for might value um, sovereignty and their own kind of making their own decisions independently of other countries mm -hmm. higher than... Um, cooperation and um, maybe even higher than economic development mm -hmm. or they they have a different idea of where the country should go so there is always the talk of global britain now okay um, so they want to trade with the world they don't yeah. want to trade with europe okay they yeah. want to trade with everyone yeah which they think is a bigger opportunity mm -hmm. because you could say that um, trading agreements and the European Union as a as an overall organization limits what you can do and limits your decision making powers when signing treaties with foreign countries and um, about economic trade. Mm -hmm. And that is true to some extent. Um, the question is, doing it yourself, will you be able to get better deals and to get more deals and to kind of increase trade with other countries outside of Europe? And will that increase if it ever happens? Mm -hmm. Offset the the higher cost and probably the the lower trade you will have with European countries that are just in front of your doorstep. Mm. But in the end, it is mostly about the the more or less abstract idea that we want to do our own thing. We want to be our own master, and we don't want to be governed by those people in Europe that we never kind of wanted us to govern anyway. Yeah, I guess because also because the UK has a long history of like invading countries <laughs> yeah you could put it like that also yeah <laughs> yeah but but also trading all over the world as because they are already just like an island they have a nice fleet of ships and everything i i, I guess it it's different now than back in the days where it was like Spain and and UK, oh, what was it? England, I guess. UK. How old is U the UK? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't exactly know, but of course, um, part of uh, the history and part of why people think it is a good idea to do it yourself mm -hmm. is that they were kind of ruling the Commonwealth for many many years, and yeah. back then there were many countries more or less training exclusively with them because mm. they forced them to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is still what is in people's mind, that we were kind of on top of the trading world and mm. we could call the shots and we could kind of form how the economy on a world stage yeah. is playing out. And it is playing out in our favor because we have so many partners and we kind of, we are so close with so many others. Mm. Now, over the past, let's say, 40, 50 years, that changed a lot. So... There is still something like the Commonwealth or kind of some trading organization that is based on the former colonies, but mm. it might not be that strong anymore uh, because Europe stepped in and kind of 
developed so close relationships across the continent and the UK is just not very far off from that. Now, yeah. The trading relationships now seem to be very close with the closer countries around. So mm. going back to trading more with more remote countries um, might be more difficult than some people think who are strong advocates of Brexit, I would say. Mm, I see. Any idea why, like, Scotland uh, and Northern Ireland, I guess, uh, voted mostly for? So why, why is the difference there between England and Wales and uh, Scotland and, I and Northern Ireland? Um, I would say that basically the, the different nations in the UK um, have different mindsets and have different feelings about Europe. So England is probably the the bit in the middle that is most against um, Europe and um, maybe has some kind of more uh, defined and extreme views on some things than the other parts. Or maybe the other parts have more extreme views in the other way. So Scotland, for example, they probably benefit a lot from Europe and they also uh. realize that. Mm. Um, and that's why they are... Um, very kind of very much in favor of staying with Europe. They might, like a few years ago, they had the referendum about Scottish independence, which was very close as well, just yeah. the other way. And that's yeah. why they stayed in. Yeah. But they were rather thinking about splitting up from the UK and staying in Europe than splitting up from Europe and staying in the UK. Mm, I see. Yeah. Um, the opposite maybe applies to Wales, where they depend a lot on European subsidies as well. Mm -hmm. But they it seems that they didn't realize that because they voted in favor of Brexit, not in favor of staying, mm. even though they benefited a lot uh, from being within the European Union and getting grants from uh, Europe rather than from Westminster. Mm, I see. Okay. <laughs> I remember just after the Brexit, there was like a meme thingy where we would see the Northern Europe uh, map And the, the the northern countries were like in one color, and Scotland also. And we, uh, those people offered Scotland to join the northern Europe, uh, Scandinavia, basically, <laughs> which would be an interesting uh, turn of events, also. Yes, they would probably be happy to join them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then, at the moment, the climate kind of changed in terms of. Uh, Scottish independence so that is not as popular as a topic now that it was perhaps two or three years ago so um, it seems that a new referendum will not be happening anytime soon but then next week this might all change so who knows so right now nobody wants uh, Scotland doesn't want to leave the UK or, or, or I mean yes it, yeah. se it seems like it that there was a, an election just two days ago in the UK again mm. um, and the, the Scottish National Party that is strongly in favor of doing another referendum and making Scotland its own country, um, splitting up from the United Kingdom. They lost quite a bit um, of vote share and seats in Parliament. So it seems that their, their push towards another referendum that they started after the Brexit vote mm -hmm. is not really going anywhere soon because people don't seem to agree with that step at this moment. I see, I see. Because I remember... Back then, it was also divided in quite, quite big in how old you were, if you would vote for staying in in the UK or or not. I have a couple of friends from 
Scotland, and it seemed that people up to uh, 27, 28, 30 or something would rather leave and people above would rather stay. I don't know if it's all true or not. <laughs> well, I think that situation is probably similar for whatever reason to the, the Brexit vote, how that turned out. Mm -hmm. There is um, the discussion going on that more young people wanted to stay within Europe and more old people wanted to leave, mm. which might be because the older people still remember the time before they joined the European Union. And they think, oh, yes, everything was great, so why shouldn't yeah. it be great again? I was young. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, of course, young people who are used to traveling around Europe all the yeah. time because yeah. they don't have to think. They don't need a passport or they just get their ID card and can travel wherever they like yeah. without having a visa or something. You don't need to arrange that much. You just go on the train, go over to Paris, and that's it. Um, so people who are used to being able to travel around more flexibly, mm. they value this strong kind of cooperation between countries that mm. makes life easier, like the Erasmus students that go everywhere without having to plan too much because, yeah. well, they just take the plane, get off there, and then they can study there. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And for workers, it's the same. So I basically, I only started working in London, I would say, because I, all I needed to do was going to the train station, sitting on the train, changing in Brussels, and then taking the Eurostar to London, and that's it. And then I could straight away do whatever I wanted to do there, started to work as a freelance and kind of looking for jobs. Mm. There was no restriction, no kind of, no no barrier that hindered me from going there. If it would have been harder for me yeah. to even get there, I might not have chosen to go there. And I guess that applies for many other people like me as well. I guess so. Because going to the US, for example, and starting working there, that's a huge, huge barrier. You need a visa before you go, so you need to apply and plan your life around uh, this, and you don't know if you will be able to, to get one or not. It's... Uh, I was uh, so some some company from San Francisco wrote to me once it was a couple of years ago that they would like me to to move there and work for them and they would fix all these things with with a green card I guess it's called but in the end it was out of their hands also because there's only such amount of them and if you you can apply as a company for for your workers but if it's out it's out so <laughs> did you consider that opportunity to kind of go over there and start again or having a look of how things work out in the u.s i was mostly thinking it would be cool to to work there for a couple of years uh, and then perhaps go b move on basically what you what you <laughs> did with uh, with the uk so I I don't think I would move there forever, but uh, I was I was working there for mm, was it two or three months I don't know two months I think, uh, uh, two years ago in but it was in Portland which is like really European I would say, so I I was really surprised how how similar it was to 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 Europe basically at least in portland so i i was really positively surprised so i liked it a lot and i guess san francisco would be a bit the same because it's also california and it would be warmer West yeah i mean 
bit sunnier. I I don't mean the the weather. I mean how the people, how how the people think and how how they structure their lives. And there might be more open minded there than in some other countries of the U.S. or some other areas of the U.S. Yeah, exactly. So, I was I was quite cl- because i was working there not just for for vacation i was quite close to those people so we've been talking uh, and i i went to for fourth of the july uh, to their home and and had a weather uh, partying basically and was able to talk to to their friends and so on so it was in- super interesting and i wouldn't mind worked there for for two three years or something i don't know how it's now i guess it changed with uh with uh donald trump being elected as president so things change obviously over time <laughs> but you could wait for four years and then maybe you can yeah. consider going there again who knows exactly i yeah but maybe until then the whole country would will have changed already that is true yeah, yeah. So I guess it already changed to some degree, exactly like like UK changed, like you said, that before Brexit, nobody has gotten beaten up because they speak a foreign language. And after that, it happened. Yeah, that is true. It's not that it happens every day, but yeah. of course it yeah. is. It has increased those kind of incidents. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh. Which yeah, yeah, and the U.S. is like a really immigrant country. Everybody is an immigrant, and still it's so well. Not exactly everybody, but yeah, yeah, almost, most almost everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there are no not many Indians left. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, but enough with the U.S. <laughs> Uh, any anything more you could think uh, which we missed um, regarding Brexit or regarding anything else? Brexit mostly, me. yeah. Um, now that I think of it, probably not. No, I mean we we did cover a lot of different areas and topics, so I think we we kind of came across the most interesting issues surrounding Brexit that people are talking about at the moment that mm. might be relevant um, for the coming years yeah what might be interesting to say is that the negotiations that should be starting might be delayed again so the uk first they delayed triggering article 50 yeah which is not what the then prime minister said he would do he mm-hmm. said he will trigger it immediately he didn't he waited yeah um, and then it was triggered in march which of course delayed um starting the process which is something that i think in europe isn't viewed um very favorably because they would like to start and get it done as quickly as possible because it's uncertainty and that doesn't help anyone yeah and now they called an election which they said they wouldn't do for half a year and now they did and they lost their majority Mm. um, which makes things not more easy for them (laughs) Um, but of course they don't have a government yet or they're still in the process of forming it and they want to start negotiations in seven days now i believe okay that, of course, might be delayed again, or at least their position won't be as clear as it could be if they wouldn't have called the election and used that time instead of campaigning yeah. for figuring out what they actually want to do with their country. Mm. Um, so that is one of the risks I see, that there is a kind of tactic of delaying. It's not clear where that is going, and if that 
it's just for the sake of delaying or if they need the time to prepare or whatever. But of mm-hmm. course, it is something that from a European perspective, I see it as a as a not very good um, kind of strategy to go ahead with splitting up because you basically, you just prolong the period of uncertainty yeah. for everybody, which businesses also don't like. So you always read about businesses saying, oh yes, if you want to do that, we don't like it, but okay, please go ahead. But yeah. Get it done quickly and make sure that we have a kind of a, a clear situation of what we can do, what we have to do, and what will change. Yeah, they don't want to wait forever and not know what's what will be happening in one or two years time. It's basically a bit like after you consider a divorce, just 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 uh, move out and don't stay for like months. <laughs> I guess you're the expert in that. I don't know. <laughs> no, but they, I mean, it's it's the the same thing. There's uncertainty and uh, everything is uh, shitty longer. Nobody can move on. Yes. I yeah. mean, it is often divorce as a divorce, uh, portrayed as a divorce. Yeah. So yeah, there are some probably similarities you could kind of... Mm. Uh, talk about if you wanted to i'm not sure if that's helpful in the process <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah 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 absolutely and i guess europe is the hurt one which would like it to to do now and a clean slate uh, clean and then move on well yes definitely yeah. yeah i mean nobody wants to wait for two years and not know what's happening yeah. so as soon as you can agree on some things the sooner you could kind of take the next steps. But I also guess that Europe needs to to make an example of UK to to scare everybody else off of thinking of leaving. <laughs> yes, if you look at the recent elections in Europe, like in France, for example, yeah. I haven't followed today the parliamentary elections, but they, they voted for a new president just a few weeks ago. And in that election, it turns out that people seem to support the candidate that was very strongly in favor of staying in Europe and making Europe stronger and not mm. in favor of the opposition candidate that wanted to split up from Europe and wanted to go out of the euro and all that. So mm. it seems to be that the mood in Europe might already be changing in favor yeah. of um, closer cooperation and not trying to do it your own mm. based on what they see, what chaos that has created in the UK and what uncertainty that has created for all kinds of people living in the UK and also the uh, British citizens living in Europe. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. I read that a lot of people from the UK applied for German citizenships because they've been living in Germany already, like also like you and me for many years, but never felt that they needed uh, to get a citizenship. But now that there's this uncertainty, uh, you've seen a spike in applications for German citizens from from UK people. Yes, I've heard that about many different countries. For example, many uh, British citizens have some relation to Ireland, so they have mm. some kind of relatives living there, and they might be able to apply for Irish citizenship as well. They never would have bothered doing that, yeah. but now they have a reason to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And many British pensioners appear to live in Spain because the weather might be nicer there than on their little island. Um, But of course, their situation is also more difficult if they might have to apply for citizenship there or what will actually change for their lives Mm. um, when the the split happens. So there are many people concerned based on their personal living situations 
what they should do to kind of either keep on going what they're doing or to start looking for other opportunities elsewhere. There are also uh, a, a bit of a different topic, but people who don't like this idea of two citizenships and would like to, like in Germany, we, uh, for Turkish people who have German and and Turkish, they would like them to have to to decide on one on or another. In my opinion, it's really weird to to just decide what count, what side you're on. I'm not a, on the Polish or the German or the Swedish side. I'm just a European <laughs> citizen. That's at least my my uh, uh, view of it. I totally agree. I mean, I when I was considering taking up or applying for the UK citizenship. I only considered doing that because at the same time, while they are within the European Union, I could keep the German citizenship as well. So yeah. I don't have any plans giving that up, even though I'm not living in the country at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then at the same time, I don't see a reason why I shouldn't be able to have two or three citizenships because if you live somewhere for some time, you feel attached to that country and you want to contribute, you are contributing. So yeah. you want to feel part of that society also by being officially part of it by being a citizen but of course you could question whether one person could um be um the perfect citizens citizen in two different countries at the same time so if you are able to vote for two different countries isn't that over representing your own opinions because you can influence two uh governments not only one so sure. things like that are questions that make me sort of understand why some countries might be might have a, a harder kind of view on should that be allowed or not i myself think yes of course i should be allowed to have two or three if i wanted to why yeah. not yeah. because if you live somewhere else you want to to kind of to have all the the the, the opportunities that people have that are born there or are yeah. maybe not even living there longer than you but i just mm. have the citizenship for whatever reason they do yeah um so yeah i think it should be free for people to kind of choose. But of course, you have to have restrictions in place. So you should live there long enough and Obviously, probably have yeah. some kind of idea to or Absolutely. plan to stay there longer. Uh, yeah, I, I think this five, seven or 10 years, that's completely okay with me. Yes, and everybody could do that. If, because if I, somebody chooses to go somewhere, yeah. they just need to wait long enough and then they could become a citizen. So it's not excluding anyone in some way. Yeah, and, and after so many years... I mean, you are invested in the country. You, it's not just to to fuck with the elections. <laughs> no, no, of course, yeah. You, it's it's more about kind of probably a feeling of belonging to that country in some yeah. way. But so, why would you not give up the old country's citizenship? Like for me, the Polish or the German one. That's a very good question. Um, Maybe just for kind of personal reason that you have been born there, you've grown up there, you might sometime decide to move back there. Yeah, and it will be much easier if you just keep that. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm still following politics in Germany as well. So yeah. I am happy that I am able to vote there. Mm -hmm. And I would probably not want to give that up because there is, of course, still um, family and personal connections to that country. So it seems to be not a thing I would do in favor of taking another citizenship yeah. i don't have to yeah. if there would be a clear kind of benefit of changing and uh maybe it wouldn't 
would be unhelpful to keep the other one in that situation, then I might consider it. But normally I don't see a reason to kind of give that up, no. I kind of feel that uh, people are viewing this topic uh, differently if it comes to people like in Germany from Turkey. They say, what if you have still your Turkish citizenship, then clearly you're, you're not uh, like fit for being a German. <laughs> but for people like us, it doesn't seem to be a topic at all. Well, yes, is... I think that is a lot about what you experience and how you live. So mm. we as people who lived in two countries and have kind of we've seen the benefits and disadvantages perhaps of different systems mm. and we we can imagine being kind of committed to vote and be interested and follow the the things in two different countries which yeah. doesn't mean that we're we're following one or the other less or we like one or the other less no yeah we cannot imagine kind of being invested in both at the same time it's a bit like uh, which parent do do you like more no i like both of them <laughs> and it it doesn't mean because right now i'm living with my mother uh, i i like my father less or i love him less or anything a bit like this <laughs> yes i guess it's always a difficult choice and a difficult topic but yeah. in the end yes we if you i think if you have the experience of living somewhere else for a longer time you can easier understand the people living in germany for a longer time that would also like to keep both yeah so yeah. exactly yeah i agree i fully agree okay great i think we've covered a lot and uh thank you for today Thank you for talking to me. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. Bye.